the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you.
as a regulation for all time. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Listen, God is still speaking. Jesus taught the crowds, Don't chase after what you will eat and what you will drink. Stop worrying. All the nations of the world long for these things. Your Father knows you need them. Instead, desire God's kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Don't be afraid, little flock because your Father delights in giving you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. Make for yourselves wallets that don't wear out, a treasure in heaven that never runs out. No thief comes near them and no moth destroys. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps lit. Be like people waiting for their master to come home from a wedding celebration, who can immediately open the door for him when he arrives and knocks on the door. Happy are those servants whom the master finds waiting up when he arrives. I assure you that when he arrives, he will dress himself to serve. Seat them at the table as honored guests and wait on them. Happy are those whom he finds alert, even if he comes at midnight or just before dawn. But know this, if the homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he wouldn't have allowed his home to be broken into. You also must be ready because the human one is coming at a time when you don't expect him. The word of the Lord. A few years ago, my friend Cindy and I went on an epic camping trip to North Carolina to attend the inaugural Wild Goose Festival. Now, in its eighth year, Wild Goose is part conference, part music festival, and all church. The year I went, I served communion at a bluegrass mass. I sat at the feet of teachers as diverse as Lakota theologian Richard Twist and emergent church scholar Phyllis Tickle, and I volunteered to pick up trash and compost. Somewhere in the middle of all of this, I camped. I had a tent, a sleeping bag, a stove for cooking, and plenty of pots and pans. As Cindy and I walked through the local Piggly Wiggly grocery store, she dazzled me with tales of what a Dutch oven could do on our humble camp stove. Lasagna, pancakes, bread, oh, I was so stoked. But once we had spread our tarps and pitched our tents, Cindy skipped off to hear some speaker, leaving me to figure out how to set up the propane stove. <laughs> Turns out that being prepared to go camping doesn't mean just 
having the right equipment, but it means knowing how to use it. Thank the Lord above for our neighbors who shared their dinner with me that night. <laughs> Needless to say, I did not make lasagna on that trip. <laughs> on the road with Jesus, we hear words of challenge and promise. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights in giving you the kingdom. And be dressed for service. Keep your lamps lit. The kingdom of grace is a joyous gift, so be ready to receive it. But what does being ready actually look like? Does it mean having the right equipment? After all, we've got lots of stuff to work with. Just look around. We've got a sanctuary, hymnals, Bibles, baptismal fonts. We've got microphones and musical instruments, tiny golf pencils in the pews, and little, little envelopes. We have money in the bank. In no small part to a fantastic attic sale last week. We have plenty of stuff, but as on a camping trip, stuff is no good if you don't know how to use it. Take the Bible, for instance. In his second letter to the Apostle Timothy, his mentor Paul wrote, From infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's how Paul imagines the scripture of the early church which, by the way, is what we call the Old Testament. He imagines that Scripture should work like this, that they encourage us to see how the love and salvation we experience through Christ has been God's way since the very beginning. And Scripture should encourage us to equip us to do good in the world. For Paul, the Bible isn't meant to overrule the ongoing work of scientists. The Bible isn't meant to establish who's in and who's out. The Bible isn't meant to sit on our shelves unopened, silently radiating good vibes into the atmosphere. If you want that, someone will gladly sell you a crystal. The Bible is meant to be read in community and in prayer. The community that traditionally gathers to read the Bible is the church, but most of that reading isn't in Sunday worship. We read just a teeny, tiny portion of the Bible in worship, and we skip over a lot of the hard parts. Go back to where we stopped reading in Luke, and you'll notice we didn't get to the part about unfaithful stewards being chopped into bits. Those tough bits, family drama, the arcane rules, all of the violence, those are best read in spaces where dialogue and debate can flourish in Bible study, at the bar, over coffee, 
Paul knew that his ancestors' writings were full of all of this troublesome, confusing material, but he told Timothy to look closer. These passages of scripture may not encourage you to develop faith or to take faithful action to make the world a better place, but they may make a world of difference to your conversation partner. Or it might be that another place in scripture contradicts the tough part. Personally, if Jesus tells you don't be afraid, then I think the probability of being hacked into little pieces, literally or spiritually, is pretty slim. Paul calls scripture God-breathed, and in prayer, we discover that God is still breathing. God is still speaking. Whatever God will say to us in the process of reading scripture, Paul assures us that it will build up our trust in the God of saving love, and it will equip us to do good. If we walk away from the Bible without hearing either of these things, then we have not heard the word of the Lord. I'd like to think that what Paul wrote about the Old Testament is true for all of the rest of the stuff that we have, from the building to the baptismal font. If it doesn't renew our faith and trust in the God of love, if it doesn't inspire us to make the world more like the kingdom of God, then we're not using it correctly. Be dressed for service, Jesus says to his disciples. Learn the stories of grace. Build the community of faith. Look around. Look around Hector and imagine it transformed by the kingdom of God. And while we wait for the kingdom to come, practice living in this kingdom. Practice living in compassion. Practice transforming the place where God has planted you. Of course, preparing to welcome the kingdom of God isn't only about using the gifts we have correctly, it's also about letting go of them. When I finally got my camp stove working at the Wild Goose Festival, I did not boil those lasagna noodles. If memory serves, they wound up in a basket of unused goods that volunteers donated to a local food bank. But if I'm not camping, if I'm not traveling lightly, I probably would hold on to that package of noodles. I'll get around to eating them someday. I might forget about them in the back of the pantry, only to discover them when I put away the new pasta I bought from the grocery store. Folks, the lasagna noodles sitting unused in my pantry are meant to feed someone. All of us have something on our shelves that is missing out on God's dream for a world where all are fed. All of us find ourselves in the predicament that St. Basil the Great observed way back in the fourth century. 
Basil wrote, When someone steals another's clothes, we call them a thief. Should we not give the same name to one who could clothe the naked and does not? The bread in your cupboard belongs to the hungry. The coat unused in your closet belongs to the one who needs it. The shoes rotting in your closet belong to the one who has no shoes. The money which you hoard up belongs to the poor. You wrong as many people as you were able to help. Like a lot of churches, we try to live uh, you know, within our means. Our particular family of the Christian church uh, places a lot of emphasis on careful stewardship of resources, which is why most Presbyterian churches look rather plain. But we still have gifts that God can use to bring life and joy to the world if they weren't sitting in storage. No joke. Underneath this sanctuary, where we are sitting right now, is an elephant that has not seen the light of day in years. It's a lovely elephant, crafted from plywood, probably used for a summer program a decade ago. I know about this elephant because Tom Phillips from the library and I hauled its friends, the giraffe and the zebra, out of storage to use for our church's float in the Hector Fair. They were a great find, but they're not doing any good just sitting there. Every year, my mother leads a cohort of volunteers at her church in Iowa to construct an elaborate setting for vacation Bible school. They've built mountain ranges and coral reefs, and this year, a rocket ship. Lynn Masters loves a good craft, and uh, the pictures are stunning. Beyond a few props, however, these sets don't live in storage. The congregation donates them to smaller churches who don't have the resources to pour into a project on this scale. That way, children in a different community can experience life under the sea or on Mars while building up their faith in the God of love and learning how to do good in the world. Friends, Ask yourself what you have to pass along and what worries you about extending your hand? What worries hold you back? God delights to give you the kingdom. Jesus says, don't worry, don't be afraid. At the end of the day, all of this that we see is just we could give it all away tomorrow. We could worship without microphones and musical instruments, without hymnals, Bibles, or bulletins, without a sanctuary even. The church has done it before, and in centuries to come, we'll do it again. Take another look around. When you take away all the stuff, What's left?
the community that God gathers. What's left are the people that you know and the people you think you know, each one of them with a universe of stories within them. Community, that is the most precious treasure of all. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't know about you all, but when Jesus comes knocking, I want him to find my heart with people, not because I'm worried about getting chopped up into little bits, but because Jesus loved people. Jesus ate with people, argued with people, healed people, regardless of whether they were rich or poor, sick or healthy, faithful or lax. Jesus loved people. And I want to love like Jesus loved. Don't you? When he arrives, the teacher assures us he will invite us to sit at table with all of the other people beloved of his heart. There, he will serve us the bread of life. Like the people preparing to exit Egypt, Jesus calls us to be ready for the kingdom. Travel lightly. Invite others to eat with you. Put your shoes on your feet and your sack in your hand. Be dressed and ready for service. The kingdom is coming, God's gift of sheer grace, and it is too good for any of us to miss. For such grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to God. One in three, the three in one. God, most merciful, most mighty, most wise. Amen.